Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. And, and this morning, we're looking at, at godly parenting. That, that the most of us, if, if you're a parent here, this, this will hopefully speak to you, that, that, uh, that this message is not meant to, to make us realize how much we suck as a parent, that, that uh, we're all probably screwing up our kids, and we just want to do it a little bit less than, than what our parents did to us, right? That, uh, but the, the goal here is not to make you feel bad about your parenting. The, the goal here is to, to encourage you to, to, to see where it is, the, the next step that you have to go, to, to be a better parent for, for your kids and for you. And if you're not a parent, if you're not a parent yet, then, then some of these, uh, these principles will hopefully play out when you do have kids. And if you're never going to have kids, um, these, these principles also play out in a leadership role, that, that being a leader, if, if, it's in your, if it's in your family, if it's at your workplace, if it's whatever community of people that you're interacting with. If, if you're a leader there, um, being a leader is kind of like being a parent. And, and the principles that, that we, that we want to see play out in our parenting life um, are, are really integral in, in the leadership position as well. So we're just, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through four uh, major forms of parenting that, that, that really are not so good. And, and you might connect with, with some of them. You might connect with all of them. I see myself in, in most of these in some form or fashion, but we're going we're gonna to plow through these. And, and, and understand that, that these characteristics, these, these uh, traits of parenting that we don't want to see, ultimately, they're, they're, they come from a good place. That, that none of these characteristics are coming from a place where the parent's just like, I want to torture my kid and I want to make his life miserable. That, that these are all coming from a good place, but, but they have consequences. That, that what we want to have happen isn't necessarily what ends up playing out and what's not, it, it ends up not being beneficial to our kids. So, the first type of parents that we're going to look at are helicopter parents. Are we familiar with helicopter parents? Raise your hand if you're a helicopter parent. I, I am a little bit of a helicopter parent, but, but we know what those people are, right? So, helicopter parents love to hover. That, that their kids come in front of them and, and the parents there are ready to, to, to swoop down and take care of their, of, of their issue. And, and it's not so strange when the kid's like two, three, four, five, but it's really strange when they're in college, when the parent's still hovering. And anybody watch the Goldbergs? That mom's a hoverer, right? So she's a hoverer. And, and we know what those people are like. Hovering parents tend to be uh, overschedulers. Helicopter parents tend to, tend to overschedule, that they get... They get everything planned out, that they, that they get their kid in, in piano class, they're playing soccer, they, they've got their play date scheduled, they're, they're learning Chinese, and, and it's, it's just like really booked out solid because they want, they want their kids to get a leg up. They want to they give them the, the best opportunity to take out the competition, and, and, and so they're, they, they really overschedule. And really, the kids just need to be like in the garden eating dirt at three, four years old, right? That... That's really what they need, but, but helicopter parents, they, they, they overschedule. Helicopter parents also are, are problem solvers. So, so when a problem comes up, the helicopter parent swoops in and takes care of it. So like the helicopter parent will buy a Lego set, 
we'll build the Lego set for the kid and give it to the kid to play with, but tell them not to break it because then they're going to have to rebuild it. The parents are going to have to rebuild it, not the kid. But, but they problem solve that, that you know, if your kid can't tie his shoe when he's, when he's five because you're always taking care of it, that's, that's a problem-solving helicopter parent. And helicopter parents are also entertainers. They want to make sure that their kids are entertained all the time. They're the cruise ship director, making sure that there's something on TV, there's some device in their hand, that, that there's, there's never a time of boredom, that, that if you give a helicopter-parented kid a box and stick him in the corner, he's not going to know what to do with it. He's not going to make a car. He's not going to draw something on it and make, make something out of it and stick the cat in it and shove it across the floor. They're just they're, they're going to bank on the parent to entertain them. And what this leads to is entitled children. The helicopter parents raise entitled children. That in our home, when we try to bless our kids with, with all this activity and entertainment and, and, and making sure that, that the, the problems that come up, that you take care of that, instead of giving them the responsibility of taking care of it, we get kids that are entitled. They think the world revolves around them that any pressure or stress is, is going to be taken care of some, by somebody else, that whatever mess that they make, somebody else is going to clean it up, that, that ultimately there's no consequences for, for their actions, for their mistakes, for, for, for what it is that's going on in their lives. But in reality, is this how the world works? Like, as, as adults, does, does that entitled response work well? It, it, that's, that's just not it. You know, kids are in for a rude awakening when, when they enter the world and, and it clashes with, with their upbringing. That they, they go to work and it's like, well, I worked five hours. You mean I got to work eight? Why do, I, I already worked five. Or, you know, I picked up my underwear yesterday. Doesn't it give me credit today? The, 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 world, the world doesn't really care what you want or what you think or what you feel. And, and if we don't prepare our kids... To, to take responsibility for their actions, then they're, they're in trouble. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. Do, do your kids reap what they sow? Or, or do you take care of it for them? If you're taking care of it for them, guess what? You will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. So, so there's been on, on, on the news, the 30-year-old dude that was suing his parents to stay in their house. Have you, have you heard that story? So it's, so it's this like 30-year-old guy who, who, who is probably helicopter parented, who went out on his own, and then life got really hard, and he ended up moving back in with his parents. And he lived with his parents for, I think, years in their basement. Didn't get a job, didn't make any effort to move out. And the parents actually had to, like a victim, sue him, go to court to get him out, and he was suing them back to, to stay. It was all messed up. It, it was just a crazy story. Um, but, but that kid, that, that kid wasn't taught any kind of responsibility. And the parents are paying for it. They're reaping what they sow. They, they, you can say, oh, it's all on the kid. The kid's, the, the kid's a loser. But the parents screwed up there, and they're reaping what they sow. You, you don't want your kid being 30 years old and living in your basement. I don't want my kids being 20 years old living in my basement. My daughter's back there going, yes, we've heard that, Dad, we know. <laughs> Luke 16.10 says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. Listen, we need to teach our children responsibility. 
We need to teach them responsibility. Being a helicopter parent teaches them that somebody else will take care of it. But, but, in, but in the real world, we want to teach them responsibility. Because ultimately, we're not raising children. We're raising adults, right? That, that we've got these little kids for, for a little while, and, and our ultimate desire is to see them grow up to be responsible adults. Because that is one of the only ways that they'll survive in this world, if they learn responsibility you have the opportunity to give them responsibility from an early age. That, that chores, chores are a good thing for kids to have. And you can start them off real young. I think we started our kids at three, three years old, having them do stuff, even if it was just picking up, picking up their stuff. That, that you have age-appropriate responsibility, and you keep pushing it and stretching it and, and, and growing them more and more responsible for, the, for, the, for their world around them. Having them understand that Daddy's not going to take care of everything for you. Because daddy's not. We want to teach our kids responsibility. And then give them the opportunity to fail. Give them the opportunity to fail. At home is the opportunity to fail. That if, that if your role as a helicopter parent is to swoop in every time that they're about to fail or a mess gets made and you take care of it, they don't learn how to fail. Failure is awesome learning experience. Failure grows character, that, that the pain from those stresses make you stronger. So, so we just finished watching a, a, a women's bodybuilding competition yesterday, and, uh, and, and they went through stress and pain to get to where they were, to be able to, to perform that they way, the way that they could. And, and if I had gone up there yesterday and posed, it would have been totally embarrassing. It would have been totally embarrassing. But, but the pain and stress and, and sacrifice that they went through got them to the place where, where they could do that. We, we want that for our kids. They, they need that. They need the responsibility. They need to experience the pain. They need to experience the dis- discomfort because if you remove all of that from them, you're ultimately teaching them falsely that there's just no consequences. There's no consequences for their actions. And... And that's a, that's a horrible place for a kid to be. That's a horrible place. Teach them responsibility. Don't be a helicopter parent. Teach them responsibility. The next type of parent I wasn't, was, was kind of new to me. I, I had not heard of it before, but, but I see the results of it. So the next type of parent is a lawnmower parent. Has anyone heard of lawnmower parents? So lawnmower parents, the, the helicopter parent like swoops down when there's, when there's trouble and, and kind of cleans up the mess. A lawnmower parent clears the way ahead of the kid so that there is no pain, stress, or problems. That, that lawnmower parents totally remove any obstacle before the kid even sees that it's coming. So they don't experience any pain. They don't experience any conflict. The parents are ahead, a step ahead, taking care of all those issues. Failure is not an option. It's not even a possibility. It's not even a possibility. So I, I found some examples of, of lawnmower parenting. One is, before your child was even born, you found a new home for your dog and cat just so that there was zero chance that they might get scratched. That when you're helping your kid with their homework, you check every answer to make sure it's right, or, or heck, just complete the assignment yourself. You figured out how to do your kid's handwriting and submit it in, and they're all good. That with college applications, you not only fill out your child's college application, but you even wrote the personal essay to, to share how much trial and trauma the kid has made it through, that, that they've surmounted all these challenges. 
lawnmower parents totally clear the way. You, you might see some of the lawnmower parents where they've got their kid all wrapped up in bubble wrap and, and, and a helmet on and lathered up with sunscreen so that they could ride their tricycle. That, that even if they fall, they couldn't hurt themselves. And this is like so radically different than, than, than what I remember as a kid. So if I, if I look at the playgrounds today, you know, the, it, they're really nice. You know, they got, it's not even just the rubber mulch anymore. They got the rubber padding where it feels like you're, you're walking on sponge. So if a kid falls off of a, off of a play equipment, they, they bounce right back up onto their feet. And, and I remember as a kid, you know, it was concrete with monkey bars. And, it, and if you fell, you could break something. And if you did, you, know, you, you, you went and you got it taken care of, and the next day you were back on it. Does anybody remember the, the merry-go-rounds in playgrounds? Where are they? They're gone. They were the best. You know, you wanted to be spun so fast that you flung off of it. But that's, but that's not what we got today, right? Everything is, is, is freakishly safe, and the lawnmower parents make sure it is completely and utterly safe, which is why we see some of this stuff disappearing. It's just, it's just completely and utterly gone. What ends up happening here, though, is that as lawnmower parents remove any possibility of stress, any possibility of, uh, of pain or suffering, that, that lawnmower kids are debilitated. They're, they're completely not equipped uh, to have any emotional capacity to handle life because they've never had that experience. They can't handle adversity. They can't handle, they can't handle setbacks. They are, they are sabotaged. And, and we can see this on college campuses right now if you're watching the news. You know, that, that, that kids respond to uh, a different idea, a different opinion by just wanting to torch everything down because how can you have something different than me? That they've been raised up to think that, that, that everything is theirs, where, where it's not even so like the helicopter parents, um, those kids, the, the world revolves around them. The lawnmower parents, the world is them. And, if, and if, it does, if the world doesn't sync up with them, you torch it. You take it down. These kids are, are completely and utterly debilitated. Romans 5, 3, and 4 say, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. You know, Jesus in Scripture didn't say, you know, I am the Lord your God and and I'm going to take away all the pain and everything is going to be nice and easy for you. You don't have to worry about anything. It's all comfy and hunky-dory. That's not what Jesus came to say. Jesus came and said, life is going to be hard. You're going you're to suffer. You're going to suffer in my name. It's going to be painful. People are going to hate you. And you find joy there. But that's not what lawnmower parents' kids hear. That's not what they hear. The world is, is a hard and painful place. And, and as much as that might suck, our kids need to know this. They need to know this. They need to know that, guess what? In this world, people are going to have a different opinion than you. And people are going to yell at you. And people might offend you. And you might offend people. And, and they might reject you because, because you follow Christ. Guess what? It's going to happen. And, if, and if, you can, if you can train that now, they'll be better prepared in the world to have that happen, to deal with it when it happens. That we have to be proactive, not to, 
not to eliminate the problems, not to eliminate the stress, but we have to train them to be ready to respond to it. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Our kids need to know how to deal with stress. Our kids need to know how to, how to navigate difficult issues. Our kids need to know how to love and care for people that, that they don't necessarily like. They need to know how to sacrifice well. They need to know how to, to consider others greater themselves. Our, our job is to train them proactively. We need to train them proactively. This verse in Ephesians says, you know, train them up. And, and as they're young, as, as, the, as the trials are not so hard, this is the time to do it. Don't wait till they're 21 and their life is falling all around, all around them. It's... Start it now. And if your kids are 21 and their life is falling apart all around them, start now. Invest in them. Train them. Equip them. Again, we're not raising children. We're raising adults. Teach them responsibility and train them proactively. The next group of, of, of parents are Etch-a-Sketch parents. Does everybody have remember Etch-a-Sketch? I think we still have a couple of them at home. Etch-a-Sketch is where you draw the lines, right? But... But when you draw the lines and you shake it up, then the lines change. You, the lines get put in a different place. You can't really put them back in the same place. And, and that's what Etch-a-Sketch parenting is, is that, that we parent in that way. That we set, so we set the line. Here's the line. And then when life gets a little bit hard, you kind of shake it, and now the line's in a different place. That, there, that the boundaries change. That things aren't consistent. And that's, and that's what our kids need. Our kids need consistency. They have, to, they have to know where the boundaries are and that they're safe and secure and the same all the time. Etch-a-sketch parenting leads to confused kids. It leads to confused kids. They don't, they, they don't know where the boundaries are. They don't, might not really know what's right or wrong. They don't know what the consequences are and, and, and if they're going to come. The consequences might be hit or miss. And, and guess what? You will reap what you sow. When your boundaries are hit or miss... Your kids aren't stupid. They'll figure it out. They'll figure out how to push your boundaries and know where you're going to give in. They're going to know what it takes to get you to shake that Etch-a-Sketch and draw a different line. And, and that goes for 18-year-olds and that goes for 2-year-olds. They understand. They, they totally understand. And, and they will work you over. Listen, there's a battle raging for control of our houses and parents we got to win decisively. We must win decisively. If we don't win decisively, they will. And it sounds like horrible, like I want to like crush my kids. I don't want to crush my kids. But I want them to live within the boundaries that, that are not just for, for my household, but, but for the world as well. That, that, if, that if we don't teach them how to, how to live within the boundaries of our household, when they get into a job, when they get into college, they won't know how to. They won't know how to respond to the boundaries that are placed before them. They won't respond well at all. We have to set them, and we have to be consistent. If we're not consistent, we will lose. So, so what that means is that as parents, you got to be on the same page. That if there's two Etch-a-Sketches in the house, mom's got one line and dad's got the other line, your kids will figure that out too. They'll know which parent to go to first 
or which parent to go to second to get the first one to change their mind. In, in our house, the, the rule was you ask one parent, and if they came, so if, if Rowan came to me and said, can I, can I do this? I said, did you ask your mother? No. All right, here's the answer. If she came to you, did you ask your mother? Yes. What'd your mother say? That's the answer. You got to be on the same page. They will divide and conquer. They will totally divide and conquer. Parents need to be on the same page with the same boundaries. And, and you got to discipline them. You've got to discipline them. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. If you're not creating boundaries for your kids, if there's not consistent discipline in your house, uh, you're, you're not really creating an environment of love. That, that if, you, if you think love is, is just kind of like giving in and making things easy when they, when they could be harder, that, that's, not, that's not a loving response. You, you don't need to be their best friend. I'm not my kid's best friend. I'll never be my kid's best friend. I'm their dad. That's my role. I love my kids, and I'm friends with my kids. However, I'm the dad. You need to draw and plant their lines. They need you to be their parent. They need you to correct them and discipline them, to prepare them for the world to come. God loves us enough to discipline us. He hasn't made life all all happy and comfy for us. He disciplines us. He corrects us when we're wrong. And our kids need this as well. Listen, etch-a-sketch parenting is lazy parenting. That, that, that when it comes time to, 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 to keep that boundary and you're just like tired and, it's, and, you, and you change the rules, it's just lazy. You've, you've got this responsibility. You've got this child that you want to raise to an adult. And, and, and you have to be selfless. You have to stand up. You have to be strong when you're tired. And, and it, it's, it's only going to benefit your kids. It's only going to benefit your kids. And ultimately, it gets easier as you go along. If you stay focused and disciplined with, with, with the lines that you draw and the discipline that you dole out, they will, they will grow to that. They will respond well to that. Teach them responsibility, train them proactively, and discipline them consistently. The next set of parents are earthly-focused parents. Listen, this is for believers only. If you're not a believer, then this one really doesn't count for you. And ultimately, this could be the most challenging one of all. Earthly-focused parenting, they profess Christianity, but raise their kids like atheists. We say Jesus is Lord and the local church is important, but, but that's not where our, our priority is. That's not how our life revolves. That when life competes with the things of God, life takes priority. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm the first one to fess up and say that I look at my calendar and good grief, we're busy. You know, especially when, when school starts, the, the first semester of school, both kids are in school, Rowan's in tennis that travels every other day, my boy's in marching band that, that is almost every day, and, and, and we've got a lot going on. And, and I totally know that, that even with a lot that we've got going on, there are other families that have even more going on. If you've got more kids or more activities, it can get overwhelming. It can get overwhelming. And, and, and unfortunately, what, what can end up happening is that the, the shift to life stuff shoves away the, any kind of church life. And, and, and church life isn't just Sunday morning. 
you know, church life is, is grow groups. It's, it's time in God's word. It's prayer. It's, it's, it's all the stuff, the things that God has called us to do to be closer in relationship to him, that, that when that gets set aside for, for the worldly things, we're, we're teaching our kids to be earthly focused. Not that the worldly things are horrible. You know, I'm so glad that my kid's in marching band because it's, it is training him, it's training, giving him discipline. He's, he's uh, getting to learn how to work as a team. I love that my girl's in tennis because she's getting exercise and, and, and is, is being focused in, in her training. And, and those are awesome things. But if those become the priority, then, then we're missing out. Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we serve the Lord. We need to have priorities. We need them and we need their kids to see them. So, so I've had a, a number of conversations with people in, in this congregation and others, and they tell me about their parents. And, and more often than not, I hear this. Yeah, my parents said they were Christian, but, you know, we didn't go to church very often. Or, you know, they had their Bible on their, on their stand, and it looked beautiful, but they never opened it. That, that these can be like 40, 50-year-old people that are telling these stories about their parents who, who said, they, said they were Christians. But this is how life really was. What story are your kids going to give you? What, what stories are they going to tell about you? Yeah, my parents said they were Christians. But, but, but this is... But this is how it was. I don't, I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for my kids. And, and, and what that means is me being an, it, to, to step away from being an earthly focused parent is, is not specifically just for them so that they have a better story about me. It's for me. It's, it's totally for me. That even over this, this last month, I've been looking at my schedule and, and how I've been living. It's like, oh, here are some elements that have been totally missing in my life. And, and, and yes, I know my kids see it, but, but guess what? I'm the one who's paying for it. I'm going to reap what I sow. That, that, if, that if I'm an earthly-focused parent, it doesn't just impact my kid. It totally impacts me. And, and, to, and to see that change, I've got to... I've got, I've got to do something different. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. This, this is my responsibility, not just to teach my kids, but, but for me to know it, for me to have this relationship with God. If I want my kids to have a relationship with God, I have to have a relationship with God because it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really work the other way. They'll know I don't. They'll know I don't. I have, I have, a, I have a neighbor who's got a daughter, and, 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 and he sends her to church, but he doesn't go. And I've had the conversations with him. It's like, so your kid's, your kid's never going to stick with it. That relationship will never become real for him. It's possible that it will, but, but she's going to look at her father. She's going to look at her father and, and her relationship with God, his, his relationship with God, and she's going to see there's nothing. There's no value. That relationship doesn't exist. Why should it exist for her? The more it exists for you, the more it will exist for your kids. You can still do all of your other stuff, the marching band, the tennis, the, the, the sports, but, but, but make sure that the priority 
Make sure the conversations, the, the, the prayer time, devotionals happen in your house that your kids can see that. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. We need them, we need him to see our families come up and be ultimately what he desires them to be. We need to teach our kids responsibility. We need to train them proactively. We need to discipline them consistently. And we need to focus them on eternity. We need to focus them on eternity. It's so easy to have them focus on sports, on school, on money, on jobs, on family, on entertainment, on vacations. Again, none of those are inherently evil, but we need to have them focus on eternity. We need them to have a focus on God. We need to have a focus on God. And if our focus is there, all of these other areas are, are easier to, to shift, to see change. That the steps away from, from being a helicopter parent or a lawnmower parent or a Net-a-Sketch parent get easier when we have a, a proper focus, an eternal focus, a God focus in our personal lives and in the lives of our family. This morning, I, I hope you walk away with, with, with maybe a thought of a, of a step. So what, so what is the next step? Maybe you go to a playground and find one of the concrete playgrounds and stick your two-year-old on the, the monkey bars and say, hey, have fun. Don't do that. You won't find a playground like that anyways. But maybe you need to take a step back and watch your kid, watch your kid fail. Maybe they'll get a little bit hurt. Maybe they'll get a little bit stressed. But if they haven't had that before, that's a great first step. Maybe, maybe a first step is having a sit down with your, with your spouse and saying, okay, we need to get on the same page. Where's, where's the line that we need to draw? Where's, where's a place that we can stand united and, and, and discipline well together? Maybe, maybe your first step is, is like, well, tonight we'll go home and, and we'll have a devotional. Don't, don't go home and say, okay, we're going to have a devotional every night this week at the same time all week long. Because like day two, if you don't do it, you're going to blow it off for the rest of the week as well. Make, make a smart goal. So, so tonight, tonight we'll talk about the sermon. Tonight, what, what stood out that, that even, even a small conversation like that can be a, a family changer and start a new habit? Maybe, maybe you, you don't even know who this God is and your first step is like, well, I need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior that, that, that this might be where I need to begin. Or if, or if you are a believer and you say, oh, you know, I've just been kind of like hanging back, standing on the, on the wings and, and I need to step back into relationship with God, that that, that might be where you be, need to be. That that first step back into relationship with God could be the, could be the biggest family changer of them all that today might be the start of, of a new path. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes, we're going to say a, a, a couple prayers and, and, and know that, that the, the purpose of this message is to encourage you to the next step. You don't need to climb the mountain this week of changing your parenting, of overhauling all that, that it is that you might be thinking that you're doing wrong, but but, but, but make a step. 
do, do something that shifts your focus to, to God and what he desires for your family. Father, I, I lift up our congregation to you. We are, we are a family-filled congregation, Father. And, and I know that uh, you love us, you care for us, you want what's best for us. And, 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 and we know that, that that isn't necessarily an easy, comfortable, comfy path that, that you would have us walk. But, but we know that you're with us, Father. And, 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 and for those of us that may have stepped aside from you, Father, I pray that uh, you, just, you just encourage us back. I'm grateful for the times that, that I've started walking down a wrong path that I can just turn and there you are, that I can repent and, and, and ask for forgiveness and that's what you give me. And, and, then, and then if I'm paying attention, you show me how it is that you would want me to walk, Father. I pray for, for anyone and everyone here that if that's where you're at, that you follow after him. Take the next step closer to God, for not just for your family, but for you. And Father, for, for those that don't know you, for those that... that that don't confess you as Lord and Savior yet, I, I'm going I'm to say a prayer. And, and, and Father, if there are people here that you're calling to you, that, that they hear you clearly, and, that, and they take that first step. If that's you, follow along with me in prayer, aloud or silent, I don't care. Just, just have this conversation with God. Father, I, uh, I thank you for this morning. I, I sit here listening for your call. And this morning, I answer it. Father, I confess, I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. This morning, I take a first step in a new direction. I turn towards you and ask for you to guide me. Show me how to walk in a way that brings you glory and changes my life. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. And I pray that you encourage me well as I walk. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.